Well, good day, folks, and welcome to the Australia Desk for episode 260. And uh, Steve Fisher here flying solo this week. Grant is uh, not feeling 100%, so we're going to uh, be, uh, you know, very kind of him and give him the week off. But uh, seeing as uh, we're talking this week about uh, Oshkosh, we thought uh, we'd present a, a quick interview this week uh, from our uh, PCD reporter, Baz Sheffers, who was uh, representing our team over there this week. And uh, as much as we would uh, like to think we'll never speak to Baz again because he didn't take us with him, but uh, I guess we couldn't all go. But it was great that Baz was there and he caught up with uh, young Ryan Campbell. Now, uh, for those of you who've been uh, following along Ryan's journey, he's a young 19-year-old man. We've talked about him before in uh, recent weeks on the Australia Desk, and uh, he's flying solo around the world in a Cirrus SR22 in uh, his attempt to become the youngest person to do so. So uh, he's, uh, you know, we've caught up with him quite a few times on his trip. He's uh, transited the Pacific. He's uh, done many great things in the US. And of course, uh, he uh, spent the week there at Air Venture. So uh, Bear's caught up with him and recorded this great interview. Ryan, you made it to Oshkosh, and uh, you look like you've been busy here. You look a bit tired. How's it going on the trip? Yeah, it's been really good uh, to come into Oshkosh. It was really exciting, but, uh, you know, I've been lucky enough to come here before, but this week's been very different. It's been a lot of interest in the flight, uh, a lot of interest with the, the aeroplane, the way it looks, and I haven't really had a lot of time to look around and be the typical tourist, but hopefully over the next few days I'll get to do that before I head off. And which approach did you uh, do? Did you go in the IFR, or did you follow the FISC approach VFR? No, I come in on the, the FISC approach. I thought that was, uh, you know, a bit more exciting. It was the, kind of the, the, the ritual of Oshkosh. So uh, I come in and... Uh, it was busy. It was, you know, I was very nervous. Probably more nervous than you know any other uh, flight that I've had on the on the uh, the world trip so far. But I was told to rock my wings. I got told good rock. I was cleared to land on the green dot, and um, and I got a welcome to Oshkosh. So I got everything that I could have uh, asked for, and uh, it was really exciting. It all went really well. I got straight off the runway and, and then taxied down here into Aeroshells or you know Phillips Plaza this year into the main square of the show. So. It was very exciting. It was um, especially to see all the family in 60 minutes here. You know, when I arrived, it just made it even better. And how did they identify you? Were you the uh, Cirrus with all the funny stickers? <laughs> no, I was just a white Cirrus, and um, I was sitting very upright, and eyes were, were very wide open. I was, um, you know, I was trying to be on the ball as much as possible. There was a lot of airplanes out there. I had a flight of three or four T6s that you know pop up behind me to, to follow me in. So it was a typical Oshkosh arrival. It was everything I imagined. And it took you quite a while to get here because uh, obviously after your long Hawaii to uh, Van Nuys leg you've been a, been on a bit of a tour of the US so where have you been? I have yeah it was uh, you know when I landed in Van Nuys that was kind of the conclusion of you know the long Pacific crossing it was a, a box to tick I could sit down I, you know took the HF uh, aerial off the aeroplane I covered up the fuel tank in the back and uh, it was a, it was good I could kind of you know relax sit down relax and, and uh, you know plan across the USA and and I set off and I, you know, in short, I'm blown away by the hospitality and, and the care that they take of you here in the United States, the airspace system, everything to do with general aviation is phenomenal. I've never filled the aircraft up myself. I've never been able to open the door before there's been chocks under the aeroplane. And, you know, even to the point where they wouldn't let me step down onto the tarmac, they had to put a mat out. You know, they really have taken really good care of me. And, and it's not just because of the flight. I think this is a general, uh, you know, way that they... Yeah, you know, they approach you here. There's a lot of respect and, and just typical hospitality. So I've been to Van Nuys uh, 
out of Van Nuys and across to Tucson in Arizona, uh, tour of the Boneyard, and and I got to meet the commander of the base there, which was quite a cool thing to you know be allowed to do. Uh, that's a phenomenal place, and almost sad uh, to see the airplane sitting there doing nothing. And then I went from Tucson on to Fredericksburg in Texas. I met some you know, uh, fantastic people who who stayed on the airfield and lived in a hangar there. And Bob was his name. He took me flying in a, a Beechcraft Staggerwing. He was also an instructor, so I do have Staggerwing uh, time signed off in the logbook now, which is pretty exciting. Uh, and then. After that, I was out to what was meant to be Smyrna in Tennessee. A weather delay meant that I spent the night in Greenville in Mississippi, which was my fuel stop. A uh, very early start the next morning, a short flight, really enjoyable. Just, you know, as the sun came up, I, I went into Smyrna, Tennessee, and uh, the Cirrus was pulled to pieces. They were very, very happy with it during the 100 hourly. Uh, they were very happy with, you know, just how good it was. There's normally a lot of glitches in an aircraft they haven't worked on before, but they were blown away to only find three or four really little things. So that's uh, a bit of a confidence booster for me, and, and uh, you know, and uh, definitely shows what a good aeroplane it really is. After that, I left Smyrna and, and headed across to Dare County, landed in Dare County uh, in North Carolina, grabbed some fuel, and then I zipped out over the outer banks of North Carolina and landed in Kitty Hawk. And I literally got to fly in the same little block of airspace that the Wright brothers first took off on uh, December 17, 1903. So that was really historical and a good way to um, finish off that you know US mainland crossing because I had you know uh, spotted the ocean on the other side, which meant I wasn't too lost. And that's it. I, you know, I jumped up there in, in North Carolina and I've flown here via West Virginia for a quick fuel stop there in, in Parkersburg. And, and I landed in Appleton uh, a couple of days there to kind of uh, you know get the aircraft ready to fly into Oshkosh and to you know, recite the no team in my sleep. And, uh, and then I flew into here. Uh, it would have been on Monday morning. And, uh, and as you said, a, a pretty full-on week now and just getting your, your head ready to, to jump back in the plane and, and take off again. I am ready to go. I'm ready to, to move on. Yeah, it's wonderful. Uh, good you say that about the whole airspace system and the uh, the fixed base operators, the FBOs that put your chocks on and and put your put the mat out for you and fill up your airplane. It's when I talk to people here in the U.S. and say, well, if you fly into uh, a GA airfield in Australia, you're yeah, you just tie it down and um, you try and find a gate and then you call the number of uh, that's listed there to uh, see someone who can open it for you and can, can let you back in and uh, well if you need any repairs on your airplane you know, good luck you're just going to have to walk the hangars and see if anyone's interested in helping you and uh, I, th- I think that's one of the things that makes aviation so great and, and prosperous here where as you know in Australia let's face it it's, it's on the decline it, the, the, the sport side of it recreational is still growing but uh, flying this kind of aircraft and flying it for business uh, flying it for you know for pleasure for uh, going on longer trips this doesn't really exist anymore and uh, it's it's awesome to experience that and uh, if you uh, if you ever have uh, the experience to come flying in the US uh, I would definitely recommend it and I'd, I'd say you would as well absolutely I think that you know yes in Australia we don't have the numbers uh, you know to kind of uh, allow us to have FBOs at every airport and, and such things, but I think there's a lot that we can do to make it better. Uh, you know, it's phenomenal here. I was checked out of the motel by the owner of one of the FBOs and taken to his home in Tennessee. I stayed with his family for three days, and they're now all really, really good friends and, and, and people I'll uh, get to know and, and come back and visit. But, yeah, everything you do here is phenomenal. You know, the way they treat you in the air as an IFR pilot, it just seems to work, you know, really, really well. And I've really enjoyed it. There's Something that I've found that is phenomenal is that phone number 1-800-WX-BRIEF. And someone said to call that. I called that number the first time in Hawaii, and I was a very uh, nervous little man with that leg in front of me. But I submitted my flight plan over the uh, over the phone, and there was a lot of waypoints to call out in uh, 
you know, using the phonetic alphabet. So it took about 15 minutes. But at the end of that, the guy was really, really nice. He said to me, would you like a weather brief? And I said, yes, please. And he went on for 20 minutes. Yeah, and it's great not just IFR, but uh, I've got some friends here that fly VFR here and things like flight following is just such a common thing here and it really helps them along. It'd be great if we uh, had the resources in Australia to have that as uh, as well, but uh, you, know, you can always come back here and, uh, and fly some more. Yeah, absolutely. I think that um, yeah, I hear flight following all the time and, and uh, although I am flying IFR, a couple of times I've shot a short VFR leg, whether it's been for fuel into to Dare County and then on to, you know, where it's not worth filing IFR. And uh, I've never had a bad experience in crossing the states. Uh, and, yeah, that's exactly right. I'll definitely end up back here in, I think, in the next couple of years when, when the flight and, the, and, you know, the following kind of plans with youth in aviation, schools tour and stuff is finalised. I'll, I'll be back over here. There's just so many opportunities, I think, if you really want to excel and, and, and uh, get some uh, good time and good experiences under your belt, this is a, the place to be. Awesome. So I understand this is pretty much the last of your media appointments in Oshkosh this week and you'll be off uh, shopping and uh, looking at all the other aircraft from now on? It is, it is. I'm not uh, I'm not the typical tourist with a camera on this week. It's been, uh, it's been great though. It's a, it's a different experience that I'll never have again. Um, but uh, I am finished up. Yeah, a lot of the team, kind of, yeah, the crew that come over to see me has moved on, and um, and now I've got just a couple of days to, to get the aircraft ready to go. But to, to, like you said, have a look around and, and do some shopping. And where on from here? Uh, I'm setting just off to Bank uh, to Appleton on uh, Sunday, just a short kind of 30, 40 minute flight to get out of the mess here at Oshkosh and uh, get the ferry tank all set up, put some fuel in there, and set off to uh, Bangor in Maine. And after Bangor, is that where you start your big leg across the Atlantic? Uh, that's where I'll start my international travel. I just got a zip from Bangor back up to Goose Bay in Canada, which is still quite a long flight, but uh, it'll put me in Canada at Goose Bay, which is a you know, the gateway to the Pacific for a lot of ferry flights, so uh, to the North Atlantic, sorry, to, uh, for a lot of ferry flights. So I'll uh, then go from Goose Bay to Reykjavik and then Reykjavik down to Wick, Scotland, which obviously puts me into the UK and, and Europe. Awesome. Well, we'll uh, keep tracking you, and I'm sure Steve will be in touch with you by phone on uh, one of your destinations to see how you're going and wish you all the best. Fantastic. Thanks so much. I look forward to talking to you. Fantastic stuff. And I tell you what, uh, I don't know about you folks, but uh, Ryan sounded a little subdued there. I'd say he's uh, been up to so much on this trip there that uh, he's going to sleep very, very well when he gets back here to Australia. And I uh, also note uh, on his website that uh, at day 72, uh, which uh, just passed during the last week, that marks the halfway uh, point of his trip around the world. So uh, doing really well. And uh, one of the other things I noticed this week, which was very good, uh, I thought was that uh, he caught up with uh, young Jack Wiegand, who uh, only uh, recently set the same record that uh, Ryan is now uh, heading around the world in an attempt to break. And I thought that was a very uh, uh, good thing that those two young men could catch up with each other and swap a few stories and grab a few uh, photographs together. That was uh, really, really good stuff. Now, if you'd like to follow Ryan's progress, you can always do that at his website, which is teenworldflight.com.au. They've got live tracking on there, and you can follow Ryan's Twitter feed at Teen World Flight. And you'll find him at Teen World Flight on just about every other social media space uh, that uh, you can imagine. So uh, good luck to Ryan and uh, thanks very much to uh, Baz for taking some time out from his busy uh, schedule of activities there at uh, AirVenture, the lucky devil, and uh, we really appreciate him getting that uh, interview. So uh, that's everything we have for you on this week's Australia Desk. We'll be back next week. I'm sure Grant will be feeling much better by then, so we'll see you then. Until then, I'm Steve Vischer. Cheers, folks.